Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of the Ahmed Khan podcast. We're joined by one of our most recurring uh, speakers, somebody who I love having a conversation with and who has his own podcast as well, and that's Brother Ankel. Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear brother. How's everything going, bro? It's going good, alhamdulillah, bro. Alhamdulillah, I can't complain. How about yourself? Alhamdulillah, man. Alhamdulillah. You know, it's, you know, you know, Allah, you know, God is just so kind to me, kind to all of us. And, you know, sometimes when you, you know, you're given all these blessings, man, subhanAllah, and sometimes you, you know, you forget they exist and you only realize them when they're gone. That's right? facts. That's right? facts. Like for me, health is a big thing. And anytime, you know, I get a flu, I get some back pain. I'm like, subhanAllah, remember all those days I didn't have this pain, but I didn't even thank Allah for it. And now I'm like crying, just trying to beg Allah, please, you've given me everything that I could possibly ask for. But because you're so kind, I'm just asking you for a bit more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel bad too, because it's like you're constantly asking for more and for more. But it's like, who else are we going to ask? Who else is going to give this to us? Who else is going to give us this guidance, this bounty, this rahmah? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, there's a, a process. There, there's a saying uh, by one of our great jurists, Imam Shafi, who said, he said, oh, oh, Allah, you know, you gave me Islam and I didn't even ask you for it. Meaning, you know, he was born a Muslim. So he said, uh, now I'm asking you for paradise, so please give it. <laughs> As, subhanallah, it's uh, you know, you know, I, I often think about this a lot. Imagine there was somebody you knew, and like every single time you went to them, they're like, "I need a favor," and like they always got your back. Yeah, they're always there for you, and like imagine how kind that person would be, where you didn't even have to ask them, but they still gave you. Right, that's precisely who Allah is. You don't even ask, and yet He still gives. He still gives yeah. over yeah. and over and over, despite your shortcomings. Yeah, that's that's not a, a big trait that you see in many people, you know. And it's like, if you had someone coming to you asking you constantly for something, you'd probably be like, "Yo, like lose my number, bro. Like I, I can't be doing <laughs> this all the time," you know. But um. Yeah, man, subhanAllah. Allah is the uh, most merciful, yeah, most bountiful, most everything, bro. And, you know, I, I really think that a lot of the problems that exist today, especially with mental health, you know, with this whole mental health crisis that we're in, you kind of have, like, two opposing camps. One camp says that, um, you know, religion has nothing to do with it. Like, it's like a purely secular entity. Um, and then you have the other group who says that religion solves everything. Mm-hmm. And to me, I incline towards that camp that says religion can really solve most of your mental health problems. And, you know, Karl Marx, you know, he has his famous statement that religion is the opiate of the masses. That statement is always taken out of context because what he actually said before that is religion is the sigh of the oppressed. It's the heart of a heartless world. It's the opiate of the masses, meaning he understood mm. that religion was there to numb your pain. Mm. That anytime anything bad happened, you could always say that there was a wisdom in it. 
that God did it for a reason and that God loves me. And so anytime, you know, and that's like, that's really what the Quran really is trying to tell people is that all hardships come from God, but there's a wisdom in it. And that just remain patient and grateful for whatever you have. And then if you, if you have the correct response, Allah will put you back on top. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if people, if people don't believe in religion, people don't believe in God, and they want to claim to be atheists or whatever it is that they want to claim, maybe just nothing. They don't want to claim anything. At some point or another, it's going to lead down nihilism. Mm -hmm. And listen, we all know how bad nihilism is. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I think it's it's super necessary. And this guy that you're referencing here, like he he definitely he knew this, bro. He mm -hmm. knew this. But like, even even think about this for a second. Look at how great God is. That you can even have an atheist, somebody who denies God, who writes books dedicate his whole life to espousing this hatred towards God. And yet still God gives him a family, still gives him food, still gives him water because of the potential that one day he might return back to God. That's how, that's how merciful our Lord is, subhanAllah. That's what I was going to say. That's why one of his names is uh, Ar-Rahman. And, you know, every, there's every single verse, a chapter in the Quran begins with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, except one. It begins with in the name of God, the most merciful, the most compassionate. And if you think about it for a second, bro, out of all of the names of God that could have been chosen, about God being the just, God being the loving, God being the punisher, God being the all wise, all smart, out of all of them, he selectively chose Rahmah. He selectively chose mercy. And uh, in the Quran, you know, Christians have their um, John 3.16, right? It's like it's like their famous quote from the Bible that the Jesus was sent, um, that God, uh, for, for, for you know, that God loved the world and then he sent his son to the world. We have our own John 3.16 and it's actually 21.107, chapter MBA. And it says, that we didn't send you, O Prophet, except as a mercy for all of the worlds. And it's interesting in the commentaries, they say that the Prophet was sent as a mercy not only to the Muslims, not only to the disbelievers, but also to the animals, also to the environment, also to everything that's in the cosmos, even to the aliens that are out there, even to the jinn that are out there. The Prophet was sent as a mercy. And they also say in the commentaries, they say that part of the mercy of the prophet is that the big punishments that God used to send upon the previous nations, like, like, the, like the nations who rejected, like the, the nations of Lut, of Thamud, Ad, some of these cities were literally picked up and they were just flipped over. Some of them were just smashed in half. Some mm. of them volcano came and just destroyed the entire city, right? We have the ancient city of Pompeii where, you know, they were engaging in sexual promiscuity, all of these, you know, horrendous actions. And the volcano exploded and just killed everybody in the span of one day. But the commentators say that part of the mercy of the prophet is that these punishments will not happen anymore to the world. Just because of him. SubhanAllah. Just because of him, the special mercy that God has given, given him. And 
again, the verse could have said, we only sent you as to be, you know, a, a judge to society, as to be a punisher. But again, it singles out mercy because mercy is the core quality within our religion. And it's something that we need to, you know, spread more to people around us, you know, to our to our loved ones, to our friends, because everyone's going to have shortcomings in their life. And either you can choose to kind of, you know, disparage them and kind of cut ties with them. Or you can understand that I'm supposed to be merciful to people because the day will come, bro, where you will mess up and either they'll cut you off or they'll have mercy to you. And so it goes back to the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated. So if you want people to show mercy to you, well, it begins that you show mercy to them. Yeah. It's facts, bro. And like we have a, we today we live in the social justice movement. You know, our teachers were saying, you know, we're, we don't want social justice. We want social mercy, right? He's like, um, uh, he said, imagine on the day of judgment, you go to God and you say, you don't say, God, be just with me because you're a fool. Because the man who shows up on the day of judgment and he says to God, you know, deal with me justly. Here are all of my deeds. Grant me paradise with my deeds. And God says to him, okay, like, let's put all your deeds on one scale and let's put the blessings of your eye on another scale. And the eye weighs more. And then the man realized, oh, 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 oh God, let me into paradise through your mercy. So all of us want mercy. We don't want justice. And so mercy is something that we should, you know, spread out to our communities. Mm. It's, it's good that you put it that way, bro. Because it's... It's something that we don't really think about until it's put into perspective like that. We want everything like, oh, judge accordingly, judge accordingly. But in reality, we just we want that mercy. We need that mercy, bro. Mm -hmm. And it, it depends, right? Like heads of states obviously need to be implementing justice within a society. But like at the individual level, like between me and you, like the, if, if you know, if you wrong me, the only thing that's prohibiting me from showing mercy to you is my ego, mm -hmm. right? It's because my ego is offended. My ego is saying, how could he say that to me? Doesn't he know who I am, right? And so again, it's about like our last podcast, just empty, emptying the ego. Because ultimately, if you break it down, every problem that exists on this planet today comes down to ego. It comes down to greed, amass, trying to amass as much wealth as possible. It comes down to pride, thinking you're better than other people. It comes down to lust, you know, all these rape incidences that occur, this whole Me Too movement. It's people's inability to control their desires. And mm -hmm. when ones can finally control their desire, then they'll realize that this is the root cause of all the problems on the planet. Oh, yeah. 100%, bro. But, I mean, we have the ego for a reason. We do. So it's, it's up to us to get past it. But you're right. You're right. Because it's like, it's like, bro, it's like, just like when we work out, bro, you're a physical trainer. There's so much that goes in. Not only do you have to do exercise, but also you have to be eating the right food, right? Like, tell me, bro, how many, how many, how many of your clients, like, don't, you don't have to give me a number, but like your clients, you probably have some clients who are like, who are working out really well, but the problem is their diet's horrible. And because of that, they're getting no change. Like, like, or, or even stories of people, you know, we're always working out, but then they're having a bag of chips. They're having pop. And then they're wondering why they aren't seeing improvements, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's it's not just like what you eat, but it's how much you eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Calories in, calories out, all that, all that good stuff. But yeah. yeah, so it's like exercise and diet, right? Yeah. Also, you you sleep, your hydration, stress, all this stuff plays a big, big part. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like the ones that take you know the meat and potatoes, it's your diet and exercise. And you know, there's a fascinating book. It's actually written by a medical doctor in Vancouver. Uh, called when the body says no and all he talks about in that book and it's, it's it's widely proclaimed everybody loves it about how stress is like the root problem of a lot of the like like stress is the reason behind many of the diseases people get it's behind why the body begins to weaken and he just shows the correlation between mental health and physical health and how you know, if, if the mental health is disturbed, it can give rise to diseases and it can even give rise to cancer by having that much stress. And so, yeah. you know, when we talk about health, it's like we're talking about not only the physical health, not only mm. the spiritual health, but also the mental health. Yeah. And what's crazy, bro, is that um, I don't know if you're too familiar with this, but you know how there's um, the somatic body types. Have you heard of this? Yeah. You got the ecto mendo ezo, or no mm-hmm. ecto mezzo endo. There we go. Ex- explain them quickly, just so. People okay, know. so you got ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph. Ectomorph, people who genetically are just uh, they have small bone structure. They tend to be on the skinnier side, very hard to put on muscle, very hard to basically lose or not lose, but gain fat. All right, so very hard to gain anything whatsoever. You got the people who are mesomorph, who are just genetically gifted. They can put on muscle very easily. They have decent bone structure, and they can lose fat very easily as well. And then you have the people who are known as the endomorphs. These are the people who genetically, they can put on muscle very easily, but they can also put on fat very easily. And when they're born, they are born with more fat cells than a meso or an an ecto. In, In regards to these three body types, right, each person, or each body type is going to be able to handle stress at a different level, a different rate. And sometimes, bro, we we have stress accumulated, and we might not even know that we have that stress accumulated, right? Mm-hmm. We might have um, stress over. It could be something so dumb. It could just be the fact that uh, we have to finish X amount of things by X amount of time, and then we have to do that again for like the next three or four days. Whereas before, maybe in our schedule, it wasn't like this. Maybe it was more, um, it was more laid back, more relaxed. But now you have a period of uh, condensed work where you have to do a lot in this brief period of time. Just that little bit right there will cause stress. And if you aren't aware of that, if you don't actively deal with that stress, it can affect you in so many ways. It'll affect the mental health, like we're talking about here. But it's crazy to think that with these three body types, each of them will handle, process, and accumulate stress at different rates than the others. Mm-hmm. Does it, yeah. Is there like a, is there a specific body type that's better with stress? I'd say the endo moors. They're they're very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Have you ever meet like a someone who's like truly endomorph? Very relaxed, very chill. Now that's not to say they can't get stressed. It's not to say that they don't experience stress it's just to see that they are more on the uh, laid back 
chill type of place. People who are ectomorph, I'm, I'm going to assume here that you yourself, brother, you are an ectomorph. <laughs> I myself am an ectomorph. We have that small bone structure. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay. Nothing wrong with it. But with this comes great responsibility because we get stressed out very easily. <laughs> you know, the stress accumulates very quickly. And the way that we process the stress is very poor. So for us, we need to take like even more measures to handle that stress so that it doesn't uh, begin to develop into a disease of the mind, the body, the soul, all that stuff. So, so tell me, how do you deal with stress when, you know, when something comes up and, you, you know, for example, you have all these meetings and stuff and, you know, you don't get much time for yourself and you begin, like you said, you start to feel stress. What's something that you do, which is like a remedy that helps you kind of calm and just relax and keep your keep your body fresh? I'd say frequent breaks, and then the frequent breaks go outside for those frequent breaks. And if I have those moments where, like, let's say the work has condensed, and let's say for the next three four days, I got from like nine a.m. in the morning all the way to like eight 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 p.m. at night. I'm over here working every single hour. I set aside like breaks, obviously for the prayers, but I'm going to set aside some breaks just to go outside, just to breathe, just to chill out, be outside in nature and to like recollect my thoughts and ground myself again and understand that this is temporary and go back into it like that. And then at nighttime, instead of like, finishing what I'm doing and then grabbing my phone and then just immersing myself in something with electronics, I shut off completely from the electronics. Um, at least from people, I'll shut off for like a good 30 minutes to an hour just to really like bring myself back to a grounded state. Because if I don't do this, then it's like, it, it's almost like, how do I say this? Like, you know how, let's say you have um like this, this thing that's like filled up and it's filled up with all this steam. And you know how you got like this, this teapot It's boiling. You got the steam coming out. It's making that noise. <laughs> right. But it has a little thing on top that's like opening up. And while it's opening up, it's letting some of that steam out. Hmm. Right. If you didn't have that, the, the, the pot itself would probably explode. Right. Uh-huh. So what ends up happening is, um, every time I take these little breaks, I'm essentially opening that little piece up to like let some of that steam out. So it brings the uh, the temp, the the steam, all of it, it just brings it down. And then at the very end of the day, that's when the most steam has been accumulated, no matter how many breaks I've taken. If I just go from there and then get on my phone, well, I'm essentially keeping this thing closed and then filling it up so much that it's going to explode. Mm-hmm. It's going to explode and it's going to have a negative effect. And the negative effect might be that... Um, Mentally, I'm just out of it. Uh, physically, I just will get burned out and I won't feel like doing anything. Or three, the third one, uh, my sleep will suffer. Mm-hmm. I'll try to go to sleep and I'll, I'll have that dodgy sleep where I'm like in and out, in and out, in and out. So once I finish everything, if I take that time to just like disconnect, shut off everything, I'm essentially opening that up and letting all the steam come out. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it's like, ah, okay, I'm good. I'm relaxed. And, you know, I, th- I think, bro, like so many people think they don't need any of this stuff. 
Like they're like, don't worry, I can handle it. I can like do these back to back, back to back meetings, just keep studying hours on end. And then ultimately they wonder why in a week or two they start, they burn out. Mm -hmm. Or why they start, you know, they start hating life uh, mm -hmm. or they fall into nihilism because it's like, what is the, what, what is the purpose of all of this? Like for me, I study for a couple hours and then I have to be outside. Like I just have to go into, go into nature um there was a american philosopher in the 19th century uh, i think his name was uh ralph uh emerson and he said if i just spend at least three hours a day in nature i felt like I, this was a sin mm. it's like i felt this was a sin if i didn't spend at least three hours because you know he understood that we weren't meant to be locked up in facilities in buildings for 24 mm. hours a day right? That, that we're human, that we go out into the natural world, you know, we see the trees, we see the ocean, all of the beautiful cattle. And like, for me, it's, it's, it's you know, one of my favorite things about the Quran is that it always says like, you know, go and look at nature, look at everything around you, look at the beauty of the heavens, of the skies, look at the stars. You know, if you've ever seen the stars in an area where there's no artificial light, you'll cry and how beautiful they are yeah. or like a full moon yeah. right yeah. or seeing a sunset sunrise and we wonder why like why everywhere you go people are interested you know in seeing the sunset they're interested in the stars why was astrology so, so commonly practiced it's because people realized there was something divine about these things like there was mm. not that they were divine but there was something special about these things and for me, whether it's in the morning, whether it's evening or even at night, I just love going outside and just telling myself, like, I'm done for the day. Like, I'm not I'm not taking no more calls. I'm not doing any more homework. I'm just going to go outside. Peaceful. It's different. Night, it's different. Right. Yeah. It's different. Um, and so right. then, you know, what, what I also like to have is uh, a book I like to read before I go to sleep. Um and uh, it's usually, you know, a very just calm book. Usually it's the Quran, but sometimes I have other books as well. And, and like the last thing, you know, honestly, like I think I don't know how much I can stress this, but like, you know, introspection before you go to sleep. Right. It really helps. You know, we talk often mm -hmm. about knowing yourself. Right. Aristotle said the first step to wisdom is to know yourself. Um, what does that mean? And how does one know themselves? Well, you cannot know yourself if you do, if you haven't engaged in introspection, like just doing a calculated analysis of what happened today, who did I meet, what new connections did I make, what mistakes did I make, what should I do next time? All of these things, and the more I've been doing it, the more I'm beginning to realize not only my weaknesses but also my strengths, and I've I've gotten to know myself a lot better and. If I wasn't doing that, instead, I'd probably be like studying, you know, I would have just got more stressful and more stressful. So for me, those are kind of like the two things that I use, like nature, nature reading, and also like introspection. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's one of the most important things, you know, because like we all do it to a certain degree without trying to do it. You know, like, well, let's say you have this, uh, you have two people. Okay, you got this dude, dude A, he goes through his day, 
and he does no introspection. He sets no time out for introspection, doesn't meditate, doesn't pray, doesn't do anything really. He's just kind of going through life. All right, now, he's going to have, let's say, 10,000 thoughts run across his head that day. Just figurative number here. doesn't have to be exact. All right, out of these 10,000 thoughts, he might have a few of them where they're very questionable. And when they come in, he's like, why am I thinking about this? He'll say, he'll say, why am I thinking about this? Mm-hmm. And then it, it might lead to something, but then he's quickly just thrown off and he goes elsewhere. So that in and of itself, that was introspection beginning to occur naturally. So now if you could set aside the time, like let's say now you have individual B, right? This dude over here, he does the same thing as this dude, except mm-hmm. he sets a time, he sets aside time for introspection. And on top of that, you know, he, he sets aside time for meditation and for prayer as well. Okay, now this dude, because he's setting aside more time than this guy for introspection, specifically for introspection, not only will he have those random moments throughout the day, right, where he, he actually goes into introspection without realizing it, but because he prays and because he meditates and because he sets aside time and for introspection, he knows what that is and he has more awareness. So when he enters that natural state where he starts to introspect very little, he's uh-huh. like, ah, I'm introspecting here. Like this, this is a very important thing right now. And uh-huh. he could choose to go into it in that moment or he could choose to put that on hold. He said, you know what, tonight I'm going to introspect and I'm going to start right there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it's a natural process. It's just a matter of like, if, if people were to actually do this all the time, like they would notice drastic changes in themselves and their lives and everything, bro. And, you know, I'll tell you something fascinating. I was talking to uh, one of my friends yesterday and, uh, you know, he was like, things are going so fast. Like this, this past four or five months, they went in the blink of an eye. And I said the exact opposite. I said, no, it feels like I've been here forever. And he's like, the reason is probably because he was always just, you know, he, he had all these meetings, he had all these work, but he said, you know, you were always just thinking. You always laid out time for introspection. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was mind blowing to figure out uh, to uh, when, when he said that, because bro, like I can remember like everything that's happened these last four or five months. It's been a lot. Like I can remember every convert, like almost every conversation that I've had with somebody. I can remember what we talked about. I can remember where we were. And I can even remember their clothing and my clothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this as somebody who, at least early on, I was doing introspection. I was writing in my journal for at least 40, 50 minutes a day. And it's it's mind-blowing because I really feel like time just moves slower when you're just really sitting there thinking about, you know, these deep questions of life. And I'll tell you something fascinating. Um, there's a famous Russian novelist named uh, Dostoevsky. And he said something so profound. Listen to this. He says, some people, he, he's like, there are certain things in life that you will only tell your close friends because you don't want everybody knowing. They're a bit personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, but there's other things in life that you can't even tell them, that you can only tell yourself because of how private they are. And then he says, there are certain things you can't even tell yourself 
because you know you can't deal with it mentally. So you just shove it down your subconscious. And what's happened now with the rise of, you know, you know, with this mental health crisis is I've had many people come to me and say that I always need to be listening to something or someone because I'm terrified to be alone with my thoughts. And so I'm always, if I'm not speaking to somebody, I quickly get to my car and I need to turn on the music. And when I leave, when I leave my car, I put my earphones in. And when I'm studying, I put my earphones in because I can't deal with my thoughts. And I'm trying everything to escape reality. And to me, it's, you know, it's, you know, if I was in a situation like that, you know, I could only imagine how terrifying, how despairful a life like that would be. Like, imagine that, bro. Like, you can't even be alone with your thoughts. Bro. I can't even say nothing about these people because, like, I, if I if I spend X amount of time, because before I even say this, let me just say that what we're talking about here is introspection that you're referring to. It's a very simple style of living life. Think about it. Like, mm -hmm. you're eliminating distractions, you're not doing as much, and you're simplifying your life, therefore giving yourself time to reflect. Right, giving yourself time to introspect. And then it kind of goes back to the Sahaba. Like, why was their memory so good? Mm. They lived a very simple life. Compared to what we live today, they lived a very simple life. So it makes sense that they had the time to self-reflect, the time to introspect and ask these questions. Right, just something to throw out there. But um, in regards to myself, bro, I've spoken about this in some of my videos where I talk about like dopamine detoxing, mm -hmm. where it, it, it gives you the time to self-reflect, to introspect. And if I'm not doing this, if I, if I don't kind of incorporate this into my life and I get caught up in that like, oh, let me do this, let me do that, let me do this, 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 and you just keep going, bro, like it, it hits you hard because right now I'm back in Florida from North Carolina. I was in North mm -hmm. Carolina for X amount of time, but I'm back in Florida and I'm home alone for this whole week. Home alone for this whole week because my mom is traveling. And I was thinking to myself like, oh man, home alone for an entire week. I was just in North Carolina. I was always around people, always around mm -hmm. people. So not to be by myself, like bro, I was not gonna lie. There was a part of me that was like, yo, like, I, I, I don't know about this. Like, what am I gonna do in this time? But it's like, mm -hmm you know what to do but it's just crazy how like when you when you haven't done it in a while it's almost like you don't want to go in that that space and be alone because you know how uncomfortable it is at first mm -hmm. yeah man and you know that's why you know they uh you know the prophet would always go to the cave all alone right and they say that he was he, you know he was meditating he was doing some form of worship but there was also a lot of introspection that was likely occurring there, right? It was like it was like it was like it was a it was like a habit of always let me just take enough food and let me just go to the cave mm -hmm. all alone. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of the some of the companions said that whenever we saw him, he was always thinking. And like my question, mm -hmm. bro, is how much does a person have to think for somebody to say they're thinking a lot? <laughs> Shit, probably a lot, dude. <laughs> uh 
So, you know, we find this and, you know, there's, there's a, there's a mathema uh, mathematician, actually, his name was Pascal. And he listen to this, bro. He said, um, most of the problems in the world exist today because people are unable to sit quietly in a room alone with their thoughts. That's facts. That's facts, man. Cause think about this, when you sit alone by yourself, you come to conclusions right mm -hmm. you see things clearly it's almost like you're taking a step back and maybe you were too close up to see anything maybe you were too emotional maybe you were just too caught up but then when you introspect when you self-reflect you start to see everything from a, a little bit further away and you see like ah okay this is happening because of this okay i could do this here okay this could change here and then like, you have now a solution you have now a uh, course of action for how to go about changing it versus not doing it and then just kind of like being so caught up that four or five 12 months pass by and you're still in the exact same mm. place with the exact same problems mm -hmm. maybe now they're even worse mm -hmm. and uh you know uh one one poet once said that the ancients used to go into uh solitary uh, the ancients used to go into solitude for spiritual refinement but today solitude is used as a torture technique mm -hmm. meaning prisons bro there's something to that man because if you look at prison like a lot of people who go to prison end up finding islam end up finding god so like it goes to show bro like <laughs> isolation there's something there for sure you know in uh alcatraz on the walls it says that um the inmates were particularly interested in philosophy. Mm. Like of all the subjects they could have been interested in about in the math, the sciences, they wanted to tackle the big questions about existence, about what is reality. And they chose philosophy. And it's like, um, it's like, it's like they were finally put in an environment where they had time to just think because there was nothing else to do. And we have the, you know, the great story of Malcolm X, who he goes to prison and he's got all this time now. And he says, you know, what is the meaning? But like, what is, what is life? What is this, the world? And he starts reading through all of the literature and ultimately he comes to the truth. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Right? Bro, think about that. I just think about that for a second. If we all were to think like this one guy said, then a lot of our issues would be solved, right? Now look at this, when people go into solitude, it forces them to think. What else are you gonna do? You're gonna get to the point where you have to think or you just, you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna think, all right? When you start thinking, you start reflecting, you start pondering, you start asking questions, you start getting to the root of certain things, you start finding the truth out about things, right? Mm -hmm. Someone could be in isolation and they could just start thinking. And from there, that'll lead them to more, uh, I guess, more philosophical questions like, why are we here? What mm -hmm. is the meaning of all this? Mm -hmm. right? And from there, if they keep going, they will inevitably get to the truth, right? Mm -hmm. If they keep questioning. So, if you look at people nowadays where they have like atheistic beliefs and they they just they don't believe in religion they don't believe in god and all that stuff it 
it doesn't make sense because we have that fitra, we're born with the fitra, the, the understanding, the belief in the creator. We already know this intuitively. Mm -hmm. So if you were to have a human and never expose them to, uh, let's say, all the media, all the society, all the knowledge, the sciences, all this stuff, if they were out in nature, just by themselves, thinking for, the, let's say, 20 years, they, from birth to 20 years, they all they did was pretty much think because they were, for the most part, isolated. Even yeah. if they had like a group of people, they were, for the most part, isolated. At 20 years old, they will still believe in something greater. They will know, understand deep inside that there is something greater. They don't know what it's called. Uh -huh. They don't know what it is, but they know it's there. Mm -hmm. And they know this because the fitra is not clouded. You understand? There's mm -hmm. no clouding. It's, they've been in isolation. They've been self-reflecting, contemplating, uh, introspecting. But they, they know this. But if you take that same person, now you put them in society, put them in school, have them study all these different things, have them get all the input from everyone in this world, and they're not taking the time out to introspect they don't have that isolation mm -hmm. bro by 20 years old they don't believe in anything mm -hmm. they only believe in what's actually proven right there like science oh no it has to be proven through the scientific method and all this stuff bro so you get what i'm saying like it, it's mm -hmm. yeah you know that, yeah. that that you know that's why one thing we always need to emphasize is um experiential knowledge um is just going outside and just experienced experiencing the world around us and uh you know it's interesting uh one of my friends at uh, at berkeley university said that one of his friends would come to him or his friend would be studying it might it might have been my friend at stanford or berkeley one of the two uh but their friend who's studying biology came to him um and he's agnostic so he doesn't he doesn't really believe he doesn't know if there's a creator out there and he says you know the more i study biology the more i'm convinced there was a creator <laughs> mashallah <laughs> Mashallah. But let me ask you a question. This guy, did he spend at least remotely any time alone to just think about these things? Well, I don't know that guy personally. Okay. See, that's Allahu Alam. Allah knows best here. Uh -huh. But in, in that case, you can speculate. You can speculate. But, you know, I think the problem of arrogance um, is something that affects all of humanity, not just a specific group of people. Um, I think everybody most people to a certain degree are in and social media gives rise to this bubble where you're only looking for information that kind of confirms your own beliefs and you become arrogant and you're like you're only you know it's we call this in psychology confirmation bias like i'm only going to look for things that support my claim and i'm going to make sure that any information that goes against me even if it's valid i'm going to discard it because i have my agenda and ultimately i don't think that's sincerity and mm -hmm the great lesson from Malcolm X's life is when he was presented a different version of Islam, rather than condemning it, he said, give me the resources. Let me read and see if you're actually true. And ultimately he, he removed his ego. He swallowed his pride and he said, you're right. And I'm going to embrace your belief system. So arrogance is one of the, one of the biggest uh, diseases on this planet. And all of us really should you know, all the information we're looking for, be open to other interpretations, other understandings, and just being sincere. Because I think sincerity mm -hmm. is one thing we've ultimately lost. We had that famous Dutch politician, uh, Brother Joram, who, uh, 
who, you know, he spent a large portion of his life trying to eliminate Islam from the Netherlands. Like, that's what his goal was. He said, I'm going to remove Islam from Netherlands. It's an extremist religion. And so he said, I'm going to write the greatest book refuting Islam ever. I'm going to take time off of work. And so he takes time off of work and he starts writing this book. And he's like, before I write this book, let me at least read sources from the other side. Because maybe they might have a good argument. Maybe. And so as he reads these other sources, as he messages some of the biggest scholars in the West, he says, hold up, I'm wrong here. Like, you know, what, what, you know I was wrong the whole time. And ultimately, no. he embraced Islam. And no, now what's no. he doing? He's fighting to bring Islam into Netherlands. <laughs> SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah, bro. <laughs> and it, it goes to show, like, information is important. Because that same example I gave you where the guy's out in nature, doesn't really have access to knowledge, information, people, the media, all this stuff. He understands that there's a greater being, that there's something else, but he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know the name for it. This is where the knowledge would give him that clarity, that understanding of, okay, this is what that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where it's like there's a certain amount of knowledge that is super necessary, but then one bit more would just become toxic. You know, like information is very, very beneficial up until the point that it turns on you. And now it's like it's doing the reverse. Instead of helping you, it's actually it's actually harming you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's making you go further down this end and be further uh, obsessed in this aspect. You know, like what you said, you um, you're only looking for that confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. bro. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to and now. In today's age, you know, they're denying that there's such a thing as human nature, right? Mm. Let's say, oh, these are all social constructs. There's no such thing as a human nature. We know there's something called the human nature. And each of us have, you know, certain inclinations. We know certain things are true. We know certain things are false. You know, we have an idea of what the morality between the genders are, right? It doesn't take much work to, you know, open up a history book and see, you know, you, you read different times and you see that there's a general, obviously there's some differences, but there's like a general morality, right? Religion is predominant in all of these civilizations. Uh, having having lots of children, establishing a family, you know, the, the relationship between the husband and wife, a lot of these things are, you know, they, they transcend boundaries. In today's age, they're trying to say there's no such thing as human nature, but the more you move closer to your human nature, the more you begin to realize that this is what I'm looking for. Like, this is what the void, um, this is what the void is, mm-hmm. right? And I think I think the thing about religion, people think is that um, it's just this belief system about God. Um, and perhaps with certain religions, that's the case. But with Islam, when you when you enter into the religion, you begin to see that embedded within it is a whole set of morality, of ethics, of gender relations, of acts that are prohibited, acts that are commanded. And when people look at, we look into some of these, they'll say, obviously I know these are right, right? Even an alcoholic will tell you that we know alcohol is horrible for society, <laughs> right? And so the more, you know, it comes back to knowing oneself. And when you spe- when you have that introspection with yourself, you begin to realize that, you know, these are things I actually prefer. You know, these are qualities I would like to find in a spouse. 
This is how I would like to raise my children. You know, why am I engaging in this practice? Why am I wasting hours upon hours of my day on social media? Right. You know, I was reading today an article about China has uh, changed their algorithms so that now on TikTok, um, by if, if somebody is under, I think, 14 years old, they actually have a time slot between I think it's like uh, 7 a.m. to like 10 p.m. And China shuts down TikTok for the rest of the hours for anybody under that time. And after every, I think, like five or six videos that you swipe on TikTok, there's a message on the screen saying it's like it's a five second pause saying, um, I think you should be going out and doing something beneficial. <laughs> MashaAllah. Like they're starting to realize like, you know, people are just wasting their lives on these mediums and people on TikTok, for example, they can just keep on any of these social media platforms. They can scroll for the rest of their life and videos will still come up. And it's like, when are we really going to ask ourselves the tough question of, am I really wasting my life? Yeah. It's the fear, bro. It's it's honestly the fear of being alone with your mm. thoughts by yourself, bro. Because again, like I said, it's very uncomfortable. No one wants to go through that that uh, discomfort stage in order to get the to the real stuff that comes after that discomfort. Mm. You know? And a lot of times... I'll talk to people in, who, who might be atheists or they just don't believe in anything, right? And I tell them, I try to keep it very simple. And instead of telling them like, hey, read the Quran, like ponder on God, like I understand right now, that'll probably like go over their heads. So right now, the most simplest thing for them is starting them on the spiritual journey in whatever way, shape or form. And when I tell them like, yo, you got to start your spiritual journey, they look at me like, bro, like, what is a spiritual journey? How do I even start this? I'm like, spend time with yourself. Mm. Just reflect. Just self-reflect, just introspect for a little, and you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's only then where you start to you start to understand further. You know, and like and like you said, how, okay, under knowing who you are, who are we actually? Like the more you get down to it, you start realizing. If I strip the ego away, what am I? Because the ego is uh, the filter that of which I am perceiving and, and uh, experiencing this life, right? Um, all our senses are linked to this ego as well. So it's like we're experiencing this. And um, if you strip the ego, well, then what are you? Mm. If you have no thoughts going on in your head, are, are you dead? No, because you can do that. You can literally be sitting down outside, just looking, just observing and have no thoughts going on in your head. So are you still are you still you? If mm -hmm. if you are the thoughts that are going on in your head, once the thoughts cease to exist, like okay, then what are you? You know, and like people don't realize like once you get to that point, listen, there's no way that you're not gonna start this spiritual journey, bro. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point, bro. That's an excellent point. I think that's excellent advice just to give people is like, just spend time with yourself. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, university students are always taking transit and like the day they forget their earphones, they're like losing their mind. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, what am I going to do? I have all this time on transit. And it's like, are you scared to be alone with your thoughts? You know, you know, if you have, if you have an injury, if you break your arm, if you have a bruise, 
you know, a doctor can fix the outward, but nobody can go into your mind physically and like remove thoughts or put in thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? That's something you have to conquer yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember, you know, some of the hardships I, I went through in my life where I was, you know, losing my mind. Um, how did I end up fixing it? I spent time one in nature. I went on long walks and second on those walks, I would just keep thinking, just keep thinking. And, you know, if you surround yourself in a beautiful environment, well, obviously you'll have beautiful thoughts, right? And what could be more beautiful than nature, you know, of going to, you know, seeing trees, seeing gardens, seeing the mountains, you know, the mountains are there for a reason. There's a reason God made them so high so that even if you build these tall structures, you can still see them and be reminded of it. Right. And so, you know, that's a beautiful advice. I never thought about somebody said, you know, how do I begin a spiritual journey? Uh, telling them just spend some time with yourselves. Hey, do you have like mm-hmm. any, uh, do you have like any stories of how people have reacted when you've said something like that? Most of them, kind of stay like silent for a little bit because they start to realize like damn i really don't spend time by myself because then like after i say that after they're quiet i ask them like how much time do you actually spend by yourself and they're like well i spend this amount of time watching anime this amount of time on youtube this amount of time just reading and i'm by myself i'm like no 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 how much time do you spend by yourself without any distractions mm-hmm. bro and like immediately they're like man like probably not more than five ten minutes a day so mm-hmm. imagine that imagine if you were to just like carve out like a few hours like like this guy said three hours he said oh if he wasn't out three hours he felt like he was going insane subhanallah bro what a beautiful number right number mm-hmm. three subhanallah yeah so imagine if you were to carve out those three hours to go outside every single day and those three hours to just introspect self-reflect be by yourself and, and you like, could be with another person my bad bro you could no, be right, with right, another right. person mm-hmm. yeah you could be with another person but only if they are on the same wave as you and y'all can walk and be out there together without even talking to each other you can you guys can reflect by yourselves but still be in each other's presence like this there's something very powerful in that as well mm-hmm. and you know? i th- i think you know it, it it all comes back to um you know i think it was, it was the either aristotle or socrates who said the first step to wisdom is to know yourself and uh in the quran god says the real losers are those who've lost themselves and there's another verse that says don't be like those who forgot God and then God made them forget themselves. And that's, you know, I think that's just an absolutely, you know, the difference between us and every other creature and the reason why we are the greatest of all creatures, the reason why we have all these remarkable buildings, we have these amazing civilizations, is not because of our strength. Because, you know, tigers, lions, cheetahs, they could all defeat us. But the reason is we've been given something that they haven't. And that's the intellect. That's the rational faculty. Yes, sir. And Aristotle said that man, by definition, is a rational creature. And if you remove that rational creature, 
you become at the same level of animals. But what God says in the Quran is that people who don't use their rational faculty, they're actually worse than animals. Because animals don't have it, so they're just being animals. But you're meant to be a human. You're meant to ponder upon these deep questions of existence. You're told to know yourself, and yet you still fail to do so. And that's why you're the worst of creation. I mean, just think about it, bro. This is one thing that I saw where it says, um, if you, and it's, it's referring to Allah, so it's like Allah speaking to you, like, remember me, and I will remember you. And it's like, forget me, and I will forget you. SubhanAllah, just think about how deep that goes, right? Because if, if you're constantly remembering your, your creator, your creator is constantly remembering you, and you see this in your life. But if you start to forget, well, now your creator starts to forget about you. And you start to see this in your life as well. Mm -hmm. You start to see the uh, the blessings that you had begin to become put on hold, right? And more bad things begin to happen. And then it's like you have some people who forget about their creator. And then the creator basically continues to try to bless them, try to give them these things like you said in the beginning, just in case, like, maybe they might come back. Maybe they might remember. And then some, bro, some will keep going so far that the creator, Allah is just like, you know what? I'm just going to give you everything you ask for now. Because I know that there's nothing that's going to bring you back. The veil is so strong that even if you were to have everything in this world, it, nothing is going to do it for you to be able to break through this veil. So go ahead, have it, enjoy this life. And just wait for what's coming up next. And like these people that usually have everything, they're given everything in this life. For the most part, they've forgotten mm -hmm. their creator. Mm -hmm. And, it's and like, you know, you, you know what's, what's interesting is throughout the Quran, God will say that he sends tribulations, he sends tests to you because he knows that by sending those tests to you, you will call back to him. Meaning he knows that the more he gives you in blessing, the more it'll take you away from him, right? Because you'll say, oh, I just did it myself. Oh, life is so good. But, you know, it's hard in difficult moments because who else are you going to call upon? In your podcast with Faraz Zahabi, he said, he said, there's no atheist on a ship that's about to sink. Mm -hmm. There's no atheist when a plane's about to crash. Mm -hmm. And some will say, oh, I have like nothing to lose. It's like you realize in that moment. Like, oh, shoot, I've been heedless. Mm -hmm. And the more you know your creator, the more you remember where you came from and where you're going to go. And then you don't have fear when it comes to death because you're like, you know, death is just a door for me meeting my Lord. SubhanAllah. It's just that door. Just a, you. Ha everybody has to go through that door, right? Yeah. And that's all it is. It's not something that's going to give me anxiety. Right, because like I, I was watching Joe Rogan's podcast, and one of the MMA fighters was saying, "Like Joe, man, like I'm terrified of death. Like I'm never gonna see my wife again." And Joe Rogan's like, "You know, that's that's just life, bro. You just have." I mean, Joe uses like his psychedelics to kind of keep himself at bay, right? The opium, mm -hmm. like Mark said. For us, we know we're going to come back, right? Uh, the, the 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 pagan Arabs used to say. How is God going to revive us, create us again? And God responds by saying, wasn't it easier to create you the first time? <laughs> For real, bro.
like like every like you know with anything that we've done the first time is always the hardest mm-hmm. second time is super easy because we know how it's done right and obviously everything is easy for god but it's like you know the more you remind yourself of your of your creator the more you remember that this is all temporary all of this right mm-hmm. and you know there is either you know i'm going to be in paradise you know with my boys you know playing basketball or you know if i forget my lord i'll end up on the other path mm-hmm. right and so knowing yourself i think in today's culture it's just become like an idiom it's just like a nice thing we like to say know yourself but mm-hmm. there's a whole science to this right But what's crazy is before Islam, when I was getting into like the real spiritual thing, like the new age stuff, I had this, uh, I, I came across this thing and I, I believe it's from the Romans and it's called Memento Mori. You were telling me about this last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's basically remember your death. This, you know, we already talked about this, how important that is. But I came across this and I was like, hmm, this is very important. Yeah, 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 it's very important. And like, I would constantly remind myself it's temporary. This is all temporary. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Like, and it freed me from a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of anxiety that I had, a lot of stress that I had, a lot of worries that, I, bro, it freed me from these things because I, I would remind myself, look, it's temporary, bro. You're going to die at some point. But what's crazy is that anytime that I was in these like situations where let's say death was very present, like something could happen where I, it could have been the end in those moments, like that wasn't enough to give me the understanding and peace that I needed. And it wasn't until I came to Islam and I started to read the Quran and actually understand there is actually something after, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, this is all temporary, but there's something after. It's not temporary and then it's the end. There's nothing more. It's temporary in this dunya, in this matrix, in this simulation. And then we go on to the next thing. And like, bro, I know this to be true because my man, like, I'll have dreams. I will literally be sleeping. In the dream, I'm about to die. And as I'm about to die, I'm like, you know what? I'm all right because I know I'm going to meet my creator. SubhanAllah. In dreams, bro in dreams so that that means that means it's deep in the subconscious if it's showing up in oh, dreams subhanallah yo i'm gonna tell i'll tell you something i'll tell you something it's a bit personal but i'll tell you something it was uh it was like two weeks ago I, I had this dream and it wasn't a nightmare it wasn't a nightmare but like i had a dream and like i was something happened and i was dying in the dream like i was literally dying and i could feel like my breaths just like ending like one by one like i, I was like i didn't know it was a dream I felt mm-hmm. it was like reality and like one by one, I'm losing all sensation in my body and I'm like, I'm dying, I'm dying. And like the last like 10 seconds of the dream, I'm just saying the Shahada over and over again, over and over. And then like my eyes close and then I wake up oh, and like you're saying, like, it's like, it's like deeply embedded in the subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the most beautiful thing, man. Cause if it's in our subconscious, and that means when the time truly does come, we're ready for it, bro. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to sleep and you're having dreams and, and you're scared of death in your dreams, all right, maybe it's not in your subconscious yet. Uh. You know, if you're a Muslim and you're still having those dreams, maybe maybe you got to do certain things to really ground yourself in your faith 
and really raise your iman, right? And then if you're not a Muslim, like maybe you should keep searching for the truth until you have these dreams and realize like, okay, my subconscious is set. I'm ready for death. Not that I'm inviting death, but that I am ready to accept it whenever it presents itself. Bro, that's like one of the most powerful things I've heard in a long time, man. SubhanAllah. They're like, if you, you know, if you're saying the Shahada in your subconscious, like that means like you're deep, like your faith is like deeply ingrained within you, man. Mm -hmm. Like in the, if, if in your dreams, that's what you're thinking about. So, uh, SubhanAllah, you know, I think like conversations like these are so important because, you know, there's so much I'm learning about myself just from what you're saying and like, and like vice versa. Yeah, and likewise, so bro. The, the the podcast the podcast model proves that knowing yourself can happen between two people um but i think there definitely still is you know some moment that needs to be just with yourself right there's a this beautiful story of um imam shafi who was uh who was at a dinner and he had, he ate so much food and you know what happens when you eat so much food at night you just get sleepy and stuff so he, he ate the food and then, you know, he closed his eyes and he went to sleep. And so all these students came and they said, like, like, this is the biggest scholar in the world, the biggest lawyer. And he's sleeping at night. He's not even praying. Like, who is this guy? Like, maybe he's overrated. And they keep watching him. And then after like a couple of hours, he opens his eyes and then he goes and he starts praying. And they said, wait, 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 wait. He was sleeping. So his wudu is gone. Why is he praying? Mm. And so they asked him. And he said, I was awake. But I was deeply pondering over a hadith. Mashallah. So I think that, that was a, quite a productive conversation. Um, I think hopefully this is like the beginning of many people's journeys, including ourselves, to just knowing oneself through introspection. And... You know, it's a beautiful journey, like you said, and it's the beginning of one spiritual journey as well. So um, thank you so much for joining us always, bro. It's always a good conversation having you. Indeed, bro. Thank you for having me. JazakAllah. Yeah. Take care, guys. We'll see you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.